Er son lasses phone of winter nehere, agas reneme irak shene yanov e goriat ilia. A winter neherin in new glakim lesna dulgesherish, aglesen funiva santolas bresha, at a fightjaman servishatat haka agam mar utra. Gam buikas moor live winter neherin ilia, agas moor karoshe lam gaklahasihe, sneblinta tale tiak. Antakik tata tokakehana, gum hin, agusta siding, or foot fat netire. I want to thank the people of Ireland for the honour you have again bestowed on me, an honour I accept with all the energy of mind and heart that is required for the trust your mandate has placed on me. I do want to thank sincerely all those who, from their different political parties, traditions, movements of civil society and communities, who supported my nomination, campaigned on my behalf, and in particular those who put the stamp of their values on a campaign on my behalf that was inclusive, creative, and authentic. Your support has been and will remain a source of the greatest encouragement. I will, I have emphasised, be a president for all of the Irish people, wherever they may be and in whatever circumstances. Those who supported me and those who are not among that number. In offering a vision for the next seven years during the election, I spoke of a real republic as being a life lived together one where there is a commitment to equality, to strong, sustainable communities, to the sharing of history and the shaping of the future together, recognizing our vulnerabilities, drawing on and enhancing our individual and collective capacities. Delivering this vision involves us all. It is a vision for which you have given a huge mandate, people of Ireland. And over the next seven years, we will be called upon to deliver tasks of mind and practice that will call for both an affirmation of shared values and a transformation in assumptions, practice and institutions if we are to adequately face the challenges that confront us and realise our shared potential. Key to this is the achievement of a real participation built on equality and empowerment, one that requires a rigorous commitment to removing the many barriers to participation, recognizing, strengthening, and supporting the momentum and demand for equality, positive transformation and sustainability, a momentum that is already underway in so many of our communities. We cannot afford to be complacent as to how we are living our lives and planning our future at local, national, European or global level. Inequalities are deepening, and many of our people do not have the necessary securities of adequate housing, shelter, health, education. 
such securities and supports which would allow them to realize their rights and participate with equality. So changing how our institutions interact with citizens is about so much more than negotiation around the allocation of scarce resources. It is about treating each person with respect, recognizing their inherent value and the value of their contribution in whatever form it might take. Policy in all areas of our life needs to an ongoing reevaluation in terms of purpose, practice, and participation. The institutional arrangements and discourse of a previous century cannot be regarded as inevitably permanent or immutable. There must be a consideration as to adequacy, adequacy and appropriateness for new circumstances, new dreams and new concerns. And at a time when democratic discourse is too often undermined or diminished, our choice must be to actively extend and deepen democracy, to express it in wider forms and in new ways. We must encourage and deliver better, more meaningful, more equal participation in decision shaping, decision making, decision taking, and to adequately respond to our new circumstances. We must be open to a pluralism of ideas and practice advocate for and achieve an innovation that promotes inclusivity and is open to new structures and new ideas. Ideas matter, and history tells us that anti-intellectualism has been and remains the weapon of authoritarian and anti-democratic forces in so many parts of our shared vulnerable planet. And too often, long-term thinking has been initiated but then was stumbled over or even abandoned in the face of short-term pressures. Important discussions on questions such as the need for a social floor, on the significance of regionalism, on the importance of culture and communication, were too often let lapse with consequences for our people and the citizens of Europe in terms of lost opportunities for engagement and cohesion. We face Many challenges, of course, which go beyond borders, require cooperation at global level, but affect and can be affected by the lives of every person in every local place. Not only is the very existence of our planet in its biodiversity threatened, but we have not yet slowed the pace of that destruction. We live with ongoing violence against women, which must be ended. We must confront and challenge any excuses offered for the denial of the irreducible rights of women who make up, let us not forget, a majority of humanity on this planet. And it is important that we recognize the rights and cultures of indigenous peoples. And it is also important that each person is free to express their sexuality, gender, or relationship. In some of these global challenges we face, Science and technology can play a powerful role, but its use must be accountable and responsible. We must, for example, eliminate global hunger, but now do so in a way that meets the demands of sustainability. Political vision, bravery and generosity are required for the making of the new urgent global conversation, commitment and action 
that we must undertake together. Yes, we have the benefit of the two great expressions of shared global concern, that the United Nations Paris Agreement on responding to climate change and the United Nations New York Agreement on sustainable development represent. Agreements to which Irish diplomats made a distinguished contribution. But we now live with the reality that some of those nations who made such commitments are resiling from them. And the issue of intergenerational justice that is raised by this cannot be ignored. We need to start taking responsibility, sharing capacities, and far from being abstract challenges, the consequences of neglect are already manifest. They can be seen in the damage to the natural world and the price being paid by the poorest people on our fragile planet, those least responsible for the perilous state to which inadequate and imbalanced models of development have brought us. We need new models and innovative thinking based on deeper and better connections between economy, society, ecology and culture. And cohesion and participation must be recognised as both the ground and the fruit for that innovation. The achievement of the necessary cohesion can be best underpinned by a deepening of democracy at national, regional and global level. And that is surely one of our greatest challenges. And it must be achieved by the taking of account of diversity in culture beliefs and capacity. The task is great for it is not simply the repair of an old connection broken, but rather the making of new urgent global conversations and the turning of words into deeds at every level and in every sector. And those conversations are one in which I as President look forward to supporting. The 2030 Agenda set out integrated goals and targets, and the Pledge of World Leavers was that they would leave no one behind. On United Nations in Poverty Day on the 17th of October 2015, I spoke on behalf of all the Irish people when I said, leave no one behind is a central principle of the Agenda 2030 goals, and we are above all else called upon to reforge a commitment to the inherent and universal dignity of every member of the human family. The assumption of our responsibilities in these matters is one important part of what I've described as the shared project of delivery of a real republic. A real republic requires a wide embrace, inclusive of all its members, in our case, all of our Irish from different generations, including those who are abroad, and it must be generous in its reach. It is best perhaps expressed as an invitation to a shared public world where the common wheel of humanity is accepted as one of the wellsprings for transacting past, present and future. And the good news is that here in Ireland our rising generation of the young are interested in these issues. They are moving past models of insatiable consumption and are forging different paths to personal and collective fulfilment, including a new vision of a shared culture. Yes, one that draws on tradition, but is open to culture as a process, to diverse contemporary expressions of the self and others in an enhanced public world. 
They have rejected the undermining of democracy by xenophobia and hate in so many places. And they have replied by calling for the wider and deeper democracy to which I've referred, for a real freedom that is inclusive. They have rejected cynicism and have chosen political engagement, the public world, and have chosen to be agents of ethical change to make the possibilities of hope a reality. For example, our young people are asking why is there an escalation in the building of competing military arsenals with all the abuse and misuse of human scientific and technological capacity that is involved. Capacities and resources that they feel should be directed towards supporting society and sustainability. They see a future as defined by ethics, philosophy, and creativity, as the kind of future to which science and technology should be invited to assist. At global level, conflicts are growing. Cohesion informed by even the most basic values of cooperation is being made fragile. And it is in this context that Ireland's voice is ever so important. It will be over the next seven years be necessary to reaffirm Ireland's commitment to peace building and multilateralism as the defining marks of our foreign policy and one of our greatest strengths. Our tradition of a diplomacy grounded in normative principles rather than the constraints of narrow interests has served us well in the world. Since we first joined the League of Nations centenary, we will soon mark and throughout our time at the United Nations, Ireland has won international respect through our work on peace building, from disarmament to our leadership in addressing consequences of colonization and the priority we have placed on humanitarian and human rights concerns and gender. We can and must be advocates for the inclusion of diverse peoples, traditions and belief systems in a peaceful world assisted by strong multilateral institutions, themselves supported by a deeper global consciousness, one derived from the irreducible rights of human dignity, one where we can recognize the complexities of history while coming together to address common global challenges. This work of ethical memory and the new tasks of imagination sit side by side it was important indeed earlier on this special day to privilege the duty of respectful memory, especially for all those descendants and relatives of those who lost their lives in the first of those two world wars that marked the previous century. That first world war that cost so many of the lives of a young generation and devastated families across Europe. As we mark Armistice Day, which brought a partial end to that terrible war, there are contemporary questions that cannot be avoided. What are the risks now, we must ask, a century later, if we allow diplomacy and the negotiation of difference to be neglected in favour of a language of domination and weapons of war? And as to memory itself, one of the challenges indeed we in Ireland will face in the next seven years will be our public, formal and scholarly remembering of important change-making, change-inducing events, which while shared were experienced differently and are subject to competing constructions in the present. 
As we come together for these tasks of addressing the what and how of what is to be remembered, let us recognise that what is involved is much more than the fixing of a story or the reconciliation of competing versions or struggles to colonise collective memory. It is about our transacting of the past in such a way that any wrong or perceived wrong does not rob us of capacity in the present or block our possibilities of a shared future ethically envisaged. Above all, we must not reopen wounds, but yet we must get sufficiently close to acknowledge those scars that tell us of the depth of the heart experienced and the fragility of the healing achieved. Any false amnesia would obscure rather than assist. However, choice of distance will be an important act of judgment, one that will decide what is an act of healing, what might constitute a needless provocation. But if we are generous as to narratives, respectful of complexity, the benefit can be in the acquiring of a capacity from such a release of an imaginative ethic of memory as will enable us to fledge new arrows that together we can release towards a shared future. Mwenta Nehera and I have said that a real public requires a wide embrace, generous, inclusive, moved by an empathy that sees difference or diversity, not as sources of division, but a strengthening of our social fabric and potential sources of an ever deeper richness in friendship, mutuality, possibility, recognizing transcendent concerns and rooted in a shared humanity. Empathy can and must inform our relations with neighbors near and far. One of our deepest and most complex relationships is that with our closest neighbor. When I visited the United Kingdom in 2014, I spoke of our nations as living living in each other's shadow and shelter. This is something which will remain true, whatever political changes the near future might bring. And the presidency can continue to play a crucial role in sustaining positive relationships between our peoples in challenging circumstances. There is a power in placing empathy alongside participation, solidarity and creativity at the heart of our policy and action. These are values which, for example, will inform the three special initiatives I plan to deliver over the coming years. Participation and transformation, imagination in the nation, and shared Ireland, shared Ireland. Much as with those projects I initiated in the last seven years, being young and Irish, the Ethics Initiative and GLEOC, which continue to bear fruit, I believe that these three new initiatives will offer frame and forum for exciting discussion and transformative thinking. Transformation and participation take work, requires courage, determination. It is about how we engage and interact with each other, how we speak to each other in a way that is open yet respectful of difference. These values are ones we may be able to recall from tradition. But if not, they must be brought into being, renewed. These are decencies that are lodged in the heart of our Irishness, when it is expressed at its best, and surely they are among our greatest resources. Those decencies are the ones that urge us 
to spring to the respond to each other's vulnerabilities, to see the merit of enhancing each other's capacities, of encountering and sharing care and love, of working together for common benefit in a public world that we share. There are some contemporary cultural influences that may be dismissive of any responsibility towards the needs, opinions, or experience of others. And there can, in too many parts of our shared discourse, be too much emphasis on division and domination rather than reflection and understanding. These are tendencies we must not allow to take root. They, if unchecked, can undermine the warmth of our Irishness and stifle those decencies of the heart that have enhanced our lives, filled our imagination and contributed so much to our reputation and experience. It is important that we seek to reach always for the best of ourselves and the best of what we might become, and that we allow that to guide our collective ambition for our country. During the course of this presidency, alongside those commemorations I spoke of earlier, we will also be marking some important moments of hope and idealism, which even in their recall can be emancipatory. The time between the election of 1918 and the War of Independence offered a space for idealistic anticipation of what freedom might yield, of how independence might be defined. It was, for example, an honourable, wide and inclusive version of republicanism that was reflected in the emancipatory and egalitarian language of the democratic programme of the first dole in January 1919. For among its principles that it were enunciated well, it shall be the first duty of the government of the Republic to make provision for the physical, mental and spiritual well-being of the children, to secure that no child shall suffer hunger or cold from lack of food, clothing or shelter but that all shall be provided with the means and facilities requisite for their proper education and training as citizens of a free and Gaelic island. Let us celebrate the fact that we now can renew that idealism through new moments of vision-making, drawing on the power and imagination of an educated, intellectually curious people, a people who root their ethics not merely in reason, but above all in the instincts of the heart. Let us celebrate that we have this capacity in our people, and taking stock of our current circumstances, let us approach the next seven years with energy and enthusiasm, bringing our long yield to our work of building together what may come to be seen as a real and beautiful republic of inclusivity, creativity, imagination, love, and indeed joy, but a joy that is shared, that too, is part of what it is to truly participate. Mwenta Meherin, I thank you again from my heart. This is your presidency, and I will work for you and with you towards a future of equality, participation, inclusion, imagination, creativity and sustainability. For it is together that we go forward. Oslava Kela Waramid, Arish Mwenta Meherin, Bwika Som Krilis Isperbana, Mila Buit.